chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Here's a word I just want to look at tonight. It, the word is expedience. Expedience. In 1 Corinthians 6 verse 12 it says, All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. All things are lawful, but not necessarily a good idea or profitable or really the best thing to be doing. I heard a phrase, and I quote it often, especially when we're talking about this subject. Good things can become bad things if they keep me from the best things. And if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. We need as Christians to understand that as believers, we have to differentiate between expediency and not expedient. What is most important? What should take priority? All things are lawful for me. However, if you're a Christian, there is a higher law. It says in 2 Corinthians 5.14, the love of Christ constraineth me. There could be some times where it's the love of Christ that binds you to doing something that you wouldn't otherwise have to do. But because you love Christ, you do it anyway. How about forgiveness? Even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. And so the love of Christ causes us to do things we wouldn't normally do. How about the sign that's above the door in our missions cabin? Many of you have never been in there, and you're welcome to go see it any time. But right above the door, if you're walking out, above the door on the inside, it says, missionary, noun. And then it says something like this, someone who leaves their family temporarily so that others can be with their family for eternity. And it's just the understanding that You sacrifice for the sake of Christ on the behalf of others, and it's because you decided that even though all things are lawful. Now, let me back up and say, if you're saved, as I was talking about with Rahab Rahab the harlot this morning, if you're saved, you are saved. You do not have to do anything to stay saved. You do not have to perform to keep your salvation. Uh... I, I totally disagree with the, the quote that was, you know, those who are persevering will be saved in the end. You know, Lot was not necessarily a Christian with, the, with winning, you know, example. But Lot was a Christian. Lot was saved. Lot, the Bible says, was a righteous soul who allowed it to be vexed. And Lot entered heaven smelling like smoke and not a whole lot to show for it. Most of his family, I think, was lost, destroyed, defeated. Jesus said there are two men that will, it will be like, as in the days of Noah, as in the days of Lot. I'd much rather be like Noah than Lot because Noah's family was rescued, whereas Lot is just Lot. And so we need to understand that they're not, it's not necessarily the case that Christians are all ideal, that are, they're, all, they're all, you know, just entering heaven with, you know, flying colors and a, and a great record. There, there are some failures and, and some disappointments. And, and, and I know me personally, there's a lot of things that, there's, that I've wasted time and wasted opportunity. And so we have to recognize that Paul's talking about the idea of expediency. What is most profitable? Hebrews 11.6 says that 
without faith it is impossible to please him. And he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and he he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I'm thankful that you are here on a Sunday night, and most of you come on Wednesday night. I think that's part of diligently seeking him. I think the idea of saying, I'm going to do more than just average, I want to really seek the Lord and find out what God has for me. Do you have to go to church every time the doors are open in order to go to heaven? No. However, if you want to diligently seek him, you're probably going to want to be there more than not when the Bible's open and when there's opportunity to learn and grow and understand and have an opportunity to please him in more ways than just what you do now, possibly. All things are lawful to me, though. I mean, I can do whatever I want as a Christian. And a lot of people argue the idea that that because we teach once saved, always saved, we're teaching people to just take salvation and do nothing with it. At the same time, we are preaching what we preach tonight, and, and that is is that that's not ever going to satisfy you or God. You, know, you can't please God unless you diligently seek him. Now, if you're saved and you waste a lot of years, shame on you, but I, I personally believe if you're saved and you're wasting time, that there's going to be some chastising. There's going to be some spankings coming on. And he might let you all around in the pig pen for a long time, but he, you're his child. He's not going to let you stay there. You're going, to get, you're going to get something to motivate you. It might be like our friend Scott Clem, who, who it wasn't until after a snowboarding accident in Terry Peak that he finally broke his back and on his back in a hospital finally said, God, I know I haven't been living right. It might take that. But I don't think God wants it to be that way. But I do think that God wants us to serve him and not just be saved. And so I do believe for many people, for many people, God's, God is working on their heart and working in, in behalf of the situation. However, as Christians, we can do stuff. And yet at the same time, I can't. I just can't. You know what I mean? The love of Christ constrains me. I, I just can't. I, there's temptation there, but it's like, oh, what a, I'll throw so much away to do that. And, and I suppose a lot of us are thinking about, you know, something like alcohol or, or an affair or, or drugs. And those, I mean, that's legitimate things that we need to recognize. That's temptation. But how about stuff that are lawful? Not just sinful, but but in other words, no one could say that that is a sin, what it is you're doing. But you know it wouldn't be right. I always think about Brother Bill, and I tell you this all the time. He doesn't eat ice cream in the summer. You know, the only time to really enjoy ice cream is the summer. Now, personally, I think you can have it all year round, as long as you're sitting by the fire. However, the best time to eat ice cream is in the summer. And Brother Bill gives that up. What is wrong with him? Well, because it ruins his vocal cords and he can't go week to week doing vacation Bible schools all over the place because of the vocal cord problem. So he says, I just can't have ice cream. Now, is ice cream a sin? No, it's lawful. But it's not expedient. There's a lot of things like that in our lives that we've got to realize, is this expedient? Can anybody argue with me or tell me I'm wrong if I go down and buy a brand new whatever 
vehicle. Can you tell me that's wrong? Well, then I'm going. My wife's scared just hearing me say that. No, I don't need one. Now, if I needed one, if I really thought I I should have one and I knew it was, that's different. Nothing, is it a sin to have a brand new car? No, but I don't need one. And, and I know it wouldn't be. I have a boat. I had a 12-footer. I upgraded to a 14-footer. I have to be honest. It's not a need. It's kind of a nice thing. It's fun. It costs a little bit. I justify the idea that I could sell it for at least what I paid for it or more. I did take out some people in it, young people. Haven't drowned anybody. I've seen people catch their first fish, stuff like that. I have only I only went out a few times this summer, but it's not a need, and it not and it certainly is not necessarily expedient. This is sad, but it's true. There are preachers who have named their boat visitation. And if somebody called their wife at the house, she'd say he's out on visitation. It's not not a good thing. And, and, and the point is, is that you can, you can do something that's perfectly lawful, but it's a waste of time. It's not a good use of the time. You've heard me talk about Rushmore Shadows and how that we ended up sucked into this sales pitch for Rushmore Shadows. Heart Ranch, Rushmore Shadows. And I mean, both my wife and I are like mesmerized by all this and it only is going to cost you this much to be a member and you can have this and if you ever happen to go to here, 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 here you're going to have a membership to go there and it's like and they almost, but there was something saying this is not right, don't do this now, it wasn't illegal it wasn't illegal (laughs) and after we drove they were following us out in the parking lot they were chasing us down saying but wait, we forgot to tell you one more thing and we drove off, and as we drove off, and the further we got, it was like, oh, I'm so glad we didn't do that. What were we thinking? Because you've got to take time to do that. I don't know about you. I, we, we went to Sturgis last week, and we drove down Interstate 90, and there's two different places, campers. And I mean hundreds of RV campers. Is it a sin to own an RV? No. But here's what I know. Them things are expensive. And they never climb in value in a normal situation. They always depreciate. But on top of all that, you got to spend time. And you got to make sure you've got a vehicle that's heavy enough to pull that thing. And then you got to pay five whatever a gallon to pull the thing with. And then you realize I can only afford to go two miles from my house because the fuel's so expensive. Oh, and then I got to buy insurance. Or I should. And, and then you have a flat. And then the water line freezes. And you forgot to winterize it the winter before. And oh my, and it just goes on and on and on the evangelists and the missionaries they they could tell you all about the wonderful things of rvs uh dwight smith was here a year ago he said you know they call them slide outs he said we call them cuss outs that's what we call them but i'm just i'm just giving illustrations 
of how we can get ourselves, and the Bible says in Hebrews 12, it says, run with patience and not be set with besetting sins or weights, weights. Timothy says, entangled as a soldier, we don't entangle ourselves with the affairs of this life. Same idea. We don't get ourselves so wrapped up with time-consuming things that really are becoming an entanglement. And see, if the devil can't make you bad, then he'll just make you busy. He'll just get you doing stuff that isn't really expedient. And so as a Christian, we have to realize, you know what? I need to live with some principles, with some, ide- with some ideals. I need, to, I need to have some checks and balances here and make sure that I'm really watching myself because the devil never quits. The devil de- never takes a vacation. He's always trying to hinder. And so I have to ask myself, will this hinder the cause of Christ in my life? Last week, this, this is not a brag, but last week I was blowing my nose pretty good. And by Sunday night, I, I, I was supposed to go Monday morning. I even asked off from my work, my school bus driving. And I was going to go over to Sheridan, Wyoming, and buy a, a doe tag and sit with Paul Crow and shoot some does since I didn't get a doe license here in the Black Hills. And they were cheap. They were they're, they're, These ranchers want to get rid of these things, so the game and fish are selling these licenses to whoever to just you know help get rid of the, the deer. And I thought to myself, I can't justify sitting out there feeling the way I do and then coming back on Wednesday and being so wiped out, I can't even do anchor club or church. I just, so I stayed at home and sat in front of the fire and and I didn't get to go hunting. But you know what? It was the right choice. It wasn't a need. It wasn't a necessity. And there are times where we have to make decisions, but what will hinder me what will hinder me from doing what's right winning the lost honoring the lord what should i do what choice should i make should i make well we're in chapter six look down in verse 19 what know you not that your body is the temple of the holy ghost which is in you which you have of god and ye are not your own for ye are bought with a price therefore glorify god in your body and in your spirit which are god's we need to be careful that we aren't developing bad habits. And that's why, young people, it's good if your parents are teaching you not to do things. Because we know as adults that there's things that you can start to do with your bodies that will develop bad habits. If you get into the habit of just overeating, it will always be a weight, literally, later on. It will cause you problems later on. If you develop a bad habit of just eating junk food that will be a problem later on and then if you develop the idea you know drugs and alcohol and just other things that's really going to be a problem later on and so we can avoid a lot of what the world gets themselves into with bad choices of what they intake if we'll just recognize this body belongs to the lord what would he want me to eat what would he want me to drink just like Daniel and his three friends there in Daniel chapter 1. We purposed in our heart that we would eat and drink what God would have us to eat and drink. And we'd reckon, now, can I eat a pep or drink a Pepsi and eat a chocolate cake if I want to? Can you tell me I'm sinning? 
I don't think you could really say you're sinning for having a chocolate cake. But at the same time, a constant diet of that probably is sinning. It probably is bad for your body and not a good choice of things. Oh, not to mention, when you go to the store, have you ever noticed the good food's usually cheaper in some ways? Not all the time. But a loaf of bread will get you a lot further in eating than a bag of Doritos. You can make a lot more sandwiches out of a loaf of bread than you can get out of a bag of Doritos. And we need to recognize the use of our money. I can spend my money the way I want to. Yeah, you can. But a lot of times we waste the money God gave us because we didn't spend it wisely. That goes back to the whole RV and the and the brand new vehicle and all that stuff. Am I using what I have diligently? And is this what God would want? And am I honoring the Lord with what I'm doing? Look at also chapter 10. Chapter 10, not only is, is, is question number one, will this honor the Lord? Will this help to win the lost? You know, you can, you can pay for um, dish TV and you can pay for entertainment. But first of all, if you pay for it, that means you're probably going to sit in front of it and watch it. So now you're paying with money and you're also spending time. You're spending money and time. What if you decided you don't really need all that? In our home, we have internet. There's so much on the internet that comes with the internet package. We, we, don't, need to pay, we don't need to pay for TV. We just, I'm not telling you it's, it's a sin. But it seems to me like it's just, but you know what I can do with that amount I'm sending to direct TV? Man, I could send it to a missionary. Why not? I could use that. I could give, I could just cut that out, give it to something better, have a part in mission somewhere, and save myself time with something that probably isn't really going to edify me. I mean, most TV doesn't. And that's what verse 23 says in chapter 10. It says, All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. The second question is, number one, does it honor the Lord? Is it going to help win the loss? Secondly, does this edify or not? Does this build up or, or tear down? I can tell you on top of every, on top of the expense and the time, there's a lot on TV that's not just a waste. It's a bad thing. It, it, it feeds lust and it feeds the wrong nature. And so does it, is it edify me or will this edify someone else? This choice I make, will I be built up and edified or will they be built up and edified? Or who's going to get most out of this? The devil? Chapter 9 is an interesting verse. For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. There's a story I want to tell you about. This happened about 1,600 years ago. It happened so long ago that people kind of argue about it or maybe change the story. But as best as I can understand it, it goes like this. There was this young man 
he was 16 years old. He was born in the late 300s, like 385 A.D. He, uh, he was born over 1,600 years ago. He lived in Britain, the Celtic Romanized Britons, British. And he was arrested and kidnapped by these Irish raiders who had come over to Great Britain Isles and had kidnapped him and other people and made them slaves at age 16. For six years, he, he was a slave till age 22. And he spent six years of his life there. Now, he was raised with Bible knowledge. Now, this is 400 AD, okay? 400 AD. So, I don't know. That's so long ago... I, whether you say there could have a Catholic connect, look, that was, I mean, that's so long ago that the gospel was still understood. I mean, the Bible was still pretty well. And so he understood the Bible. He was taught the Bible. His dad was like a, a parish priest or pastor or whatever. He was taught the Bible, but it wasn't until he was kidnapped at age 16 that he got serious about life. And he thought about the scriptures that he knew, and he, he didn't just believe in his head. He got saved. He really trusted Jesus because that's what happens sometimes when you get messed up. You, you get serious with God. He got serious with God, and he became a Christian in his heart. Well, at age 22, he escaped, and he got away from there, got back to Britain. And God had changed his heart, and so he, tur- he turned towards the Lord and became a minister himself and spent from age 22 to age 48 preaching in, in a local church. But all that time, he was thinking about those Irish people. They were known as barbarians. They were so backwards and redneck, no pun intended, but they were just so, they were just so barbaric. They were just uncivilized and they were just thought of as as a lost cause. And his desire was to go back there or to send someone there to preach to them the gospel. And by age 48, that's just almost my age, at age 48, God finally impressed upon his heart to leave the comfortable position he had as pastor of his little church there on Great Britain and to take a team, I think it was 12 of them, and on purpose, they went back to Ireland, this barbaric island, with the goal of allowing themselves to be captive again and to teach people about Christ and to show them the gospel. Now, his goal was not to civilize Ireland. His goal was to see them get saved. But you know what happens when people get saved? They get civilized. The Spirit of the Lord there is liberty. And so salvation brings civilized life, civilized living. And so this man, now 48 years old, goes back there and starts preaching to his former captors. And the goal was, okay, we're gonna, if we see people get saved and we see them baptized, then we'll start to, if we form a little group, then we'll, that will be a church. And what we'll do is we'll leave two of us there to kind of lead that church until they are on their own and we'll move on to them and that's what they did and they started churches all over Ireland you know who didn't like it his British friends back home they were upset with him for leaving the 
home and going to those heathens, right? But he spent, he spent many years of his life and died, I think it was 461, almost 1,600 years ago. He died in 461. He happened to die on March 17th, and his first name was Patrick. Now, you know it's been real stretched, and I mean, people celebrate St. Patrick's Day for all the wrong reasons, okay? But here's why I told you the story. Because that is exactly what that verse says in verse 19. 1 Corinthians 9, 19. For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. Did he have to go to Ireland? No. Did anyone force him to go to Ireland? No. But the love of God forced him to go to Ireland. And he who was free made himself servant so that he could gain more. And there are more in heaven. And to this day, there's some fruit from in Ireland. There, there, well, I won't get into all that, but there, there's fruit on his account. Now, we know that the celebrations on March 17th today have nothing to do with Christianity, it seems like. But that's because after 1,600 years, everything gets warped. But the point is, is that that's a story that I can tell you. Now, I can tell you another story. We read about my friend Sam, the missionary in Mexico. We read a letter from him this morning. Remember the story I've told you? How that a former pastor of his was stealing his mission support? You talk about you talk about having an excuse to quit a church. If your pastor's stealing from you, I think you have a pretty good excuse to quit a church. And yet Sam said, I knew that if I quit my church, it would hurt the people in my church who did not steal. It wasn't the people who were stealing from me. It was the pastor. And it would cause such a problem for the church that I'm not going to turn him in. I'm just going to pray. I'm going to confront him, and then I'm going to pray that God will fix this. And God did eventually, and that church is a thriving church, a good church today with a different pastor. And God blessed Sam. You say, that's unusual. It is. But there's another example of all things are lawful, but all things aren't necessarily expedient. Can I overlook this wrong and, and, and take this pain for the sake of a better cause? Apparently, you can, if God's will, that you can. In verse 27 of chapter 9, Paul says, talking about discipline, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. I think it's wrong for me to be so out of shape that I can't do my job. I think it's wrong for me if I can't do my job because I'm just out of shape. I'm not, I'm, I'm not being disciplined. So it's important that we stay disciplined and that we do keep our body into subjection. And we need to do, do well with that and have some discipline in our lives. And that's why it's good to teach your children discipline. And, and that's a wonderful thing to have good habits. Good habits by themselves don't make you a great Christian. But boy, it sure helps. I mean, I'm thankful that I never got a taste of alcohol, so I don't have a desire for it. I, I, I'm not missing anything from what I understand. And, and that's good, and I'm thankful for parents for helping me with that. But 
The point is, is that we need to have good habits and good discipline. And yet, what's it for? So I can be healthy and live a long life. For yourself? Or for the Lord? And by the way, when you do it for the Lord, there's a greater motivation than doing it for yourself. It gives you a stronger motivation. So there's two things. Does this honor the Lord? Does it glorify God? Um, Look at chapter 10, verse 31. Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Well, that's a good rule, isn't it? No, ma- no matter how free I am to do what I want, no matter how legal it is to, I can do it because it's legal. And that's the way the world thinks. As long as it's legal, why not? But as a Christian, just because it's legal doesn't mean we should be doing it. But whatsoever we do, do all to the glory of God. Along with St. Patrick's story, I think about our day. In in case you don't know this, I am just totally against vaccinations. I just don't like them. And and here's why. And I'm not saying that Louis Pasteur was wrong or anything like that. I'm not saying that polio wasn't, you know, they didn't solve some. The point is, is that we are so godless in our society today that we think we can improve what God made. Because most people don't think God made our bodies. So what happens is as soon as a baby is born, it's not just one shot. It's all kinds of shots. As, as if the baby came to us with problems. And so they give them this cocktail of stuff. And I knew all this before COVID ever came. But now everybody's finding out what I've known for a long time, and that is the, the vax industry is a crop. It's a, it is an illegal, rotten, corrupt system. And they have been given immunity, no pun intended, but they have immunity from our government that they can't be sued. And now everybody's finding out that Frouchy, the fraudy, is a big liar. But, but we knew, we, anyhow, my favorite meme, my favorite meme in the last three years has been a picture of Bill Gates with a syringe in his hand and it said this guy can't keep a virus off my computer what in the world am I thinking about listening to him about viruses in my body that's probably my favorite one look it's the love of money it's the root of all evil Okay. now I know there are some legitimate things that are done and I'm not preaching against the medical industry per se but the point is, is that most people who took this latest quote unquote facts are finding out the hard way that they've been duped. Here's my point, though. As an American, I am totally against being being forced to wear a mask, being forced to take a shot, being forced to, to do anything in my body that I don't think I should do. As an American, I am all against that stuff. But I've got fellow American Christians who know that God has called them to go to South Africa or China or Mongolia or or Belarus or wherever they're supposed to go and the only way they can get there is to roll up their sleeve and let somebody somebody vaccinate them. 
or whatever they call it, shoot them with something. He said, that's terrible. I agree, it's terrible. But just like St. Patrick, they've decided, my body's a living sacrifice. And the greater cause that I'm called to is bigger than the freedom cause that I agree with. I hope you understand what I'm saying here. All things are lawful, but all things might not be expedient. And I have to recognize what's the bigger deal? What's more important? I appreciate, as I hear different missionaries who say, we go into these places and we use whatever means possible for what? To reach them with the gospel. As long as it's not a direct disobedience against the word of God, we go in there and it might even be a detriment to our own health in the long term. But we do what we do because we know this is what God would have us to do. And they laid down their lives. It's no different than Jim Elliott and Nate Saint dying in the Aka jungle, giving their life in Ecuador for the Lord or William Tyndale or John Huss who were tied to a stake and burned for the sake of the cause of Christ or Fox's Book of Martyrs that are filled with these people uh, and accounts of people who were tortured and martyred for the sake of Christ. That, that's not a bad thing. That to me is the expedient thing is to reach people with the gospel. I don't think it's wrong then to do some radical things and to be like a St. Patrick if necessary. But I do think it's wrong if I'm just wasting my life and my body with tobacco or sugar or taking all my money and just pouring it into fun stuff for me, me, me. When there's a greater cause than me, me, me. Do you not agree? You know, we have this hope for addictions ministry that we've been talking about. And I know there are people in our church that are very much interested in it. And we are planning in January to start every Friday night to meet and to go through the program and to build, hopefully, as we go and to then see others in the community have a, have a, a, a part and to have a great effect. But you know what? And, and everybody knows this. Friday night every Friday night well it's not a sin for me to stay home on Friday night and do what I want no it's not absolutely not but you know how ministry goes forward you know how God uses people when they purposely commit themselves a lot of people in church they they don't mind being on call once in a while or being the sub but they don't want to be the committed one because that's every Friday night or every week. But can I ask you, if the Lord was calling you to do that, and if you said to your spouse, you know, we just need to decide that that night is going to be, and I'm not trying to push for a bunch of people in this room to sign up. I'm just saying, those of us who are already interested, we have to count the cost. You know the trade-off if down the road you see people rescued from their sin and their addictions and the weights that are besetting them? And it's no different than St. Patrick or Jim Elliott or whoever saying, this is what God has called me to do. And I know that that means I'll probably not watch very many high school football games. I probably won't see very many things on Friday night. The point is, though, 
someday someone might stand up and say, I'm saved, and the reason why I'm saved is because so-and-so went through the 15 steps, and then I fell again, and so we started over, and we went through the 15 steps, and then I guess, but after four or five years and those people loving on me and being patient with me, God has delivered me from whatever it was. That's worth Friday night. That is. But again, all things are lawful. I can't go out in the street and tell people they got to go to church. I can't even tell you, you have to go to church. But hopefully something inside of you says, I got to go to church. I can't tell you, you have to do this or have to do that. And if you don't, you're going to lose your salvation. That's what the Catholic Church does in other churches. You're going to lose your salvation. You're going to lose. Listen, that's baloney. I can't do that. However, if the Spirit of God is in you and you are walking with him, you're going to realize, you know what? There's just some things that are just more important than others. And the only reason why I'm standing here preaching to you is because I had a dad and mom who gave up some things in their life and led their children and family in a different direction and gave me a taste of ministry and a desire to follow the Lord in that way. And, and that was a good thing. And what they gave up wasn't sinful. It just wasn't what God wanted. And that's, I think that's the case for every Christian. Same with our young people. There might be things they didn't realize, God really doesn't want me to do that. Nobody would ever fault me. No one, would, I could, no one could really blame me or point a finger. But I just know God doesn't want me to do that. It's okay because there's a better thing. Realize you're trading something good for something better. And at the same time, good things can become bad things if they keep you from the best things. And that's Satan's favorite trick. Is to get us arguing about whether or not I can do this or not. That might not be the point. It isn't whether or not you can, it's whether or not you should. Let's think about that tonight. Whatsoever you do, do all the glory of God. Is it really God's will for you? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for opportunity to just discuss the